Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode of Hey Amarillo is supported by Blue Handle Publishing, a local publishing company that has been producing some amazing titles recently. One of their newest authors is Ray Franz, a former options trader at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and Chicago Board of Trade. Ray's knowledge and exposure to stories of the Chicago mob has brought to life his debut novel, The Heights, a work of historical organized crime fiction. The Heights is available now, so look for it and learn more at bluehandlepublishing.com. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to LPT CPAs and Advisors online at lpt.cpa, to First Bank Southwest online at fbsw.com, to Michelle and Andy Justice of Wick Realty online at wickrealty.com, and to Education Credit Union online at educationcu.com. Read the free e-edition of Brick and Elm at brickandelm.com. Today's guest is Gentry Williams. Gentry is originally from Spearman, and she's a physical therapist and certified Pilates instructor who is the owner of Reform Physical Therapy, Pilates, and Aesthetics, a unique clinic and wellness center right down the street from Tascosa High School. I love stories of successful business owners, especially women who find success as entrepreneurs, and that definitely describes Gentry. She shares how she ended up in Amarillo, how a hip injury inspired her to add Pilates to her practice, and then explains why she's more recently added a med spa and aesthetic services to Reform. Gentry's interdisciplinary approach to healthcare stands out and is having a positive impact on her clients and patients. And so we talk about why that is in this episode. So here's Gentry Williams. Gentry Williams, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Good. I'm excited to have you. And I want to start with you the same way I start with all my guests, and that's just to ask you why you're here. So what brought you to the Amarillo area in the first place? So I grew up in Spearman, small town girl. Um, I went to school at Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. I did my undergraduate degree there, went to physical therapy school there, swore I would never come back up here, and here I am. Okay. So now I am very entrenched in Amarillo. I'm not going anywhere. You, you haven't come as far as Spearman. You kind of <laughs> right. found like the midpoint between Lubbock and exactly. Spearman. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Big city. Were you one of those kids growing up in a small town that thought, I'm going to get out of here as soon as I can get out of here. I mean, is, is that why you went? I mean, tech is not super far, no, but it's further no. than, let's say, going to WT. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I loved I loved growing up in a small town, loved growing up in Spearman. I feel like the whole town raised me. I mean, that's kind of how a small town works. It wasn't like I couldn't get wait to get out of there. I just couldn't wait to start my life. And so I think that's what you want for every high school kid is to want to leave home and start their life and think that there's so much hope and and future out there for them. And so um, I think really and truly, you know, after I had my daughter, I thought I wanted to raise her in a small town because it was familiar and it was comfortable. But what I realized is once you go to college and you get an education and you try to immerse yourself back in those small towns, they're not what they used to be. I mean, you Mm -hmm. can't, you honestly can't really have a professional degree and and find a job or grow in your career. Um, And so that's kind of what I figured out. And so come back to Amarillo and try Tried to figure out best of both worlds there. Growing up in Spearman, it's it's about as far from Amarillo as you can go and still be in the Panhandle. Yes, it, yes. Amarillo is still the 
big town, right? Right, right, right. So it was 90, 90 miles, mm-hmm. and back then the speed limit was 55. Yeah. So it was a good two-hour drive. Uh-huh. But yeah, we would. my grandmother lived in Amarillo, so we were here a lot and, you know, came over here for doctor's appointments, okay. grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> All the major, major things. So you were familiar with the city? Absolutely, yes. Tell me about going to Texas Tech. If, if you want to start your life or, or get out of a small town, I mean... Texas Tech is a university to do that. Were there other reasons like to go? Yeah, that so direction? my sister, my sister went to Texas Tech, so it was familiar to me. Okay. Um, I really wanted to go to UT. I wanted to do something different, and I remember sitting down with my parents, filled out all the applications, got in all the things, and my dad said, "That's great, but I didn't pay for your sister to go to UT, so you can either go to Tech or you can take out student loans," which was really his way of saying, "I don't want you that far away from home." Hmm. So I chose Texas Tech. Um, funny story about tech. Um, so I applied to the honors college simply because you didn't have to share the community bathroom in the okay. honors dorms. All right. <laughs> that I, was I, my that's motivation. A valid reason for I think getting for a lot into of the honors college. Um, so yeah, so I had I had a dorm that had its own bathroom in it. So that was wonderful. Um, my experience at tech was, I mean, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. I had uh, just incredible community there. Um I think by getting into the Honors College, I got to meet a lot of neat people who kind of put me into different positions that I would have never, never gotten into at UT. You know, I see a lot of parents now who are pushing their kids to go to universities and kind of pushing the limits on maybe they don't actually belong in those schools. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can get in, but just because you can get in doesn't necessarily mean that you should be there. Right. Um, And so I think, you know, tech was a place that I stood out a little bit, whereas I think if I would have gone to UT, I probably would have people who were so much smarter than me or had way more experiences than I did. But I ended up through a chain of events working in the chancellor's office at tech. I actually started out there as an accounting major. And um, I remember I was two years in and the chancellor at the time, Dr. Smith sat down with me and said, Hey Gentry, what do you think about accounting? I said, well, I mean, I have a four point. I, I, I mean, I guess it's good. He was like, no, I mean, have you actually sat down in an accountant's office? Nope. So he said, okay, I want you to spend two weeks in the CFO's office. So I spent two weeks in the CFO's office, came back to him, and he said, what do you think? I said, I think I will kill myself if hmm. I if I do that for the rest of my life. I mean, it just wasn't me. And that's what he said. He said, that is just not your personality. And so he said, I want I really think you need to pursue the medical field. And so he said, I've set up all these different experiences for you to volunteer and, and kind of see. He was really pushing medical school. I just didn't think I could do it. And so that's that's kind of how I ended up finding physical therapy. Okay, so that's really interesting because that's not direction coming from, you know, your parents right. or a teacher. That's the chancellor of the university. Yeah. Why do you think he took that approach with you? Or what did he see to to kind of push you in such an interesting way? Yeah, I don't know. I You know, I take, like, honestly, I look back at that position, just being a student assistant in the chancellor's office. Mm-hmm. Literally, There were I, probably lots, right? I, I, no, there was just a few of us okay. that actually were in the office. Um I mean, literally, I, I answered phones. I got water whenever they had a, a regents meeting, mm-hmm. you know, but I but I talked to these people and they engaged with me. I never was intimidated. Again, I think that goes back to growing up in a small town where you have to interact with everybody, everybody of every level. 
Um, and so I, I don't know if it was that, that I was just, I had some interpersonal skills. I, I wasn't intimidated by those people. And then they found out I could do calligraphy. So then I got to do everybody's oh, wow. name cards. I mean, you know, it's just all kinds of weird little things happened in that situation. But yeah, I guess he just saw something in me and just realized, hey, you know, maybe this girl needs to interact with humans instead of paper all day long. I don't know. But yeah, it was it was a really neat experience. And he was just one of those guys who was very interested in the students. Hmm. Plus, it's easier to change your classes. You can say the chancellor told me to come Absolutely. enroll here. Yeah, yeah. It's easier to tell my parents, too, well, to say, you know, I might take me another year. But. Mm. Okay, so tell me what happened after that point as you got into the more medical side of things. Yeah, so so at that point, I just changed my major. Um, I actually changed it to general studies so that I could graduate on time, okay. just get all my prerequisites for PT school. I'll never forget taking biology at Texas Tech with Dr. Dini. That was like the class that everyone stood up the first day of school, and he said, "Look at your neighbor. Two of y'all won't be here at the end of okay. <laughs> at the end of one the of semester. those classes." Um, yeah, and so you know, I just I've always loved sciences. I just I think again, kind of growing up in a small town, you think, okay, as a female, I can be a teacher. Or I can go into business. I mean, I really didn't see a lot of women in professional careers. Mm -hmm. Again, I think the sciences were just a little scary for me. And then whenever I got into it, fell in love with it. And I mean, it was it was a really pretty easy path. Um, applied to PT school, got in my first year, and stayed there in Lubbock. And okay, it's, it's where I went. So. When you start looking at physical therapy as a career, mm -hmm. I know it's one of those careers that, let's say it's expanded a lot yeah. recently. It, it It's broader than maybe people have used to give it credit for. Mm -hmm. They used to think, well, you know, if I hurt my knee, then a physical therapist is, is going to help mm -hmm. me, you know, walk. But like, there's a lot more to it now. So, yeah. so tell me, as you started thinking, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go to physical therapy school. Did you know what you wanted to do with it? Yeah, so I think the thing that attracted me to physical therapy school more so than anything, kind of working in hospitals and, and observing and watching people do it, is just the interaction that you have with people. I'm very much a relationship person. I love to talk to people. I love to get to know people. I love to develop relationships. Physical therapy, especially in the healthcare world, is a totally different animal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, doctors see a patient maybe once a year, every so often if they have an, a, a problem. But with physical therapy, I mean, you're seeing patients three days a week. Sometimes, you know, right now in my practice, I've had some of the same patients that have kind of turned into wellness clients for seven years. So mm -hmm. you're really developing a relationship with people. Physical therapists have to establish trust with their patients in order to get results. Um, something else I've realized is that, you know, there is a huge emotional side to a physical side. Mm -hmm. um, and so... You know, I minored in psychology. That psychology aspect is huge. Um, I just love people. I love getting to know them. And if I can if I can get to know someone and then really help them rehabilitate or become a better person in whatever they do, it's just very gratifying. Mm -hmm. There's just so many aspects to it. Beyond the joint care and all of that right. sort of stuff. I mean, there's a mechanical um, side, but you're also a motivator and an encourager. Yeah. It's hard work. And yeah. so you're having to make sure that they can make themselves do that work. Absolutely. And and my first passion really out of PT school was working with spinal cord injuries mm. and traumatic brain injury patients. I mean, again, you get to dive deep into these people's lives and what they have to get back to. You know, are they a mom that's got to lift a kid? Are they, you know, an 18-year-old boy that's that's got to think about maybe having a family someday? Or how, how am I going to work and provide? And so there's just so many aspects that you go into that. 
I also, in the physical therapy world, it involves wound care. I love wound mm. care. Uh, that's something that I kind of specialized in for a brief moment in my career um, and try to dabble in it as much as I can. Just We get to get our hands on a lot of things, and we don't have to specialize in anything. So so it's, it's kind of nice. You kind of can jump around from place to place. Okay, so I, I want to talk about your path. What yeah. year did you graduate from PT school? When did you finish? Uh, 2011. That? Okay. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you start to... Th- think, okay, practically, like, how am I going to apply this? Am I going to work in a hospital setting? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be a home therapist? Am mm-hmm. I going to work at a clinic? I mean, what what was on your radar? Were you thinking at that point, here's what I want to do? So at that point, I knew that at some point I wanted to have my own clinic. It was just, how do I get there? So I actually had a hip issue in college. I was doing triathlons, got to a point where, you know, I'd have to just lay flat for a week. I mean, it was, it was terrible. Found mm. out I had hip dysplasia, some labral tears. And so anytime I would aggravate that, I mean, I'd get to the point where like I literally couldn't walk if I overdid it. Um, so I was in PT school, worked with all the therapists that were teaching at Tech, mm-hmm. um, you know, did all the things that we knew to do, saw several orthopedic surgeons, and they just told me, well, you're going to have to have surgery. And I just thought at 20 years old, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm just period. I'll figure this out. Like this is, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'll figure it out. Um, so strangely enough, I found a Pilates instructor there in Lubbock that I started working with. And she introduced this whole concept of Pilates to me with, you know, really focusing on stability and, and joint mechanics. And, and it, it, it was very similar to physical therapy, but with just a little different approach and some some different equipment. And so at that point, I knew at some point I was going to marry those two things. Okay. So I had to take out student loans for PT school. So it was like, okay, what jobs can I do that are going to make me the most amount of money to get these student loans paid off, start this Pilates certification? Because it's not cheap either, and it takes time. Um, so I spent about five years working towards the Pilates certification. I'd go to Dallas um and spend the weekend fortunately my aunt lived there so I was able to stay with her and take take these training courses and then I guess it was in 2015 is when I finally decided I was going to open my own clinic um and I'd had a I had a six-month-old daughter at that point okay were you in Amarillo at that point I was actually living in Panhandle at that point and so I, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, at this point, I've got to decide, do I want to be a mom? Do I want to have a career? You know, it's just this this whole big juggle, uh, you know, and I feel like as as women, a lot of people sit down with us and, and make us think that we have to make that decision. Plus, just life in general, it's just hard. Yeah. It is yeah. hard. You've got this little baby attached to you. And so it's like, what am I to do? And I just remember sitting there one night looking at her thinking, Okay, from the moment this little girl was born, I've told her she can be anything she wants to be. And if I'm going to tell her that, I've got to live that. And this is something I've always wanted to do. So I'm going for it. So, you know, every night I'd get home from work, I'd do my little routine with her, start working on my business plan. And I finally just one day I was in Amarillo and drove by Amarillo National Bank and I thought, okay. I'm going to take this in there. I'm going to see what they say. Hmm. And so they approved the loan, and there it was. Decided to open Reform. Does Reform look today like it did when you were dreaming about it with that business plan? Absolutely not. Okay. No. I was going to say, did it it emerge fully formed as what it is now? Or did you kind of find your way into that? So my whole thought process at that point was, 
that I was going to have this business where I could work four days a week, get to be a mom. All the numbers were going to work perfectly according right. to paper. They you always know, do. That accounting degree comes into play That's there. Right. Yeah. So it was going to, like, I, I really just thought it would be me and it would be my perfect balance in life, right? Where I get to be a mom, I get to have a business, and I get to do what I love because I truly do love what I do as a career. And now, seven years later, there are 14 employees. We're in a 7,000-square-foot building. I had, I had no intentions of doing that. But so many amazing people came into my life mm-hmm. that, you know, just grew that business plan and grew me as a, a person, as a physical therapist and as a business owner. And, and yeah, so it's, it's amazing. And I walk through that door every day and I still feel like I don't go to work. I mean, I, I really don't feel like I get up and go to work every morning, which is a wonderful thing. Um, and I had no idea, honestly, how much I would love the business aspect really? of it. Um, so not only do I love the numbers part of the business and, and the creative part and figuring out how to make it all work, but it is so fun employing people yeah. and watching them grow and helping them build their careers. You know, I mean, I have several people who one one girl came in and, you know, she started as a receptionist and she just went back to school and got her esthetician certification and now she's doing that. So that's that's another thing is it's not reform now is not just physical therapy. Right. So we have the physical therapy side, the Pilates side, kind of more that wellness fitness side. Okay. Massage, personal training. But we also offer an aesthetic side to the business too. Um and that has a whole personal experience as to how that started as well. But we've got two nurses on staff over there and an esthetician now. Okay. So. I want to go back to when you were dreaming of starting your business. You're yeah. going to Amarillo National Bank with your business plan. Did you think it was just going to be you as a physical therapist, maybe an assistant or something? But you didn't You didn't think, I'm going to start this this no. empire, no. you know, with, with Abs- a whole bunch of different things. Absolutely not. You were just thinking the physical therapy line and the Pilates line, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and really just me. Okay. And so, you know, you, you mentioned that other people came into your life. Um, you began to see ways to expand it. Tell me about your business mindset, because a lot of people, a lot of people will think, oh, I want to start a business. And then they never actually do it. Mm-hmm. That it's hard to get over that first entrepreneurship hump. Mm-hmm. Some will start the business and they just push forward on the business that they had planned. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe inflexible, but it works. And so they just keep doing that. You've gotten over both of those. And then you've found yourself able to react to what your clients need or the needs of the community and add things as you figure out this is going to work. So tell me how you think about that as a business owner and being able to say, okay, I didn't plan on this, but it looks like this is a thing we could do. Yeah. So I think something that I've told myself a lot is, it's okay to change your mind, okay. number one. Um, there have been so many things that, and I've told my employees, okay, I'm so excited. We're going to do this. I've got this great idea. And then I go home and sleep on it and I come back and I'm like, you know what? That's not a good idea. Hmm. We're not going to do that. So yeah, I think I think a lot of it is listening to the needs of your clients, listening to the needs of your employees and honestly what they are capable of doing. I do push my employees. I want them to be bigger and I want them to grow. And and, and learning and education is huge for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think you should ever try to throw someone in a, a fire that they're not prepared for. I mean, so I, I really make sure my employees are well-trained and, and certified in everything possible. But yeah, so I think it's just listening to the needs. And, and a lot of it is just taking chances. 
you know, and mm-hmm. sometimes there's there's been a few things that have flopped and we just change our direction. You know, I mean, for example, whenever we decided to really go big and open this new facility, um, as soon as I signed all those papers, COVID hit. Yeah. So that was a whole thing that I had to work through. And, and you know, every morning I would wake up thinking, oh, my gosh, we're not going to make it. You know, this isn't going to work. And then at, by the end of every day, it's like, wow, we just changed course and we had a great day. And yours is a close proximity, you know, kind of career that there's not work from home, you know. No, you there do. was not work from home. There was not work from home. So what I what I was able to do in the beginning, at least, was, you know, I sent all my employees home. I, I paid them for the time that, you know, everyone was home. That was a great moment for them to do training. You know, because there was so much virtual training. So it was like, okay, you go get this certification. You go get this certification. You start working on this. I will see patients. You know, I will I will be the one that's kind of taking that risk. And also, you know, number one, we were an essential business whenever it came to physical therapy. Um, You know, we were a really clean environment where it could be one on one. We didn't have to worry about waiting rooms or anything like that. You had some extra space. We I had guess, plenty at that point. of space at that point to where you know we could mask and just do the best that we could. Um, and so that's just I saw as many patients as I could during that time to generate some income and had everybody else working towards whatever the future might be. What's been the biggest surprise among all the different things that that you've added to what uh, your clients can get at Reform? Like, mm-hmm. which are the ones kind of you look back and you think I I can't believe that this is you know, part of my business right now or a thriving part of your business. Yeah. So, um, back to the aesthetic side. I mean, that's a, that's a whole new world for me Mm -hmm. because I, that's not, that's not what I went to school to learn how to do. Again, that was one of those where I had really good, talented people fall into my lap, you know, and, and I was able to train them and grow them. But again, they, they trained me and grew me through that too. So the biggest, (laughs) besides opening up a new location during COVID, we also decided at that point to buy a laser Hmm. because that kind of puts you in a whole different category when it comes to the aesthetic side. So the laser goes back to my own personal health story too. I was diagnosed with a melanoma in situ, so it was not a a major thing. Um, But that word is just scary, especially when you're, I think I was probably in my 30s, early 30s at that point. And so I did go see a physician in, at MD Anderson just to make sure that, you know, I was double checked and everything. And, and he was kind of a younger um, dermatologist. And he said, OK, so from here moving on, you you need BBL laser. I'm like, OK, what's that? <laughs> and he said, well, I mean, it's it's this laser that's going to help pull out sun damage and it hopefully prevent you from, you know, any future skin cancer issues. Um, I was a swimmer, so I've had lots okay. of sun exposure. So, you know, I've done all things wrong all my entire life. But anyway, so I, I as soon as I left his office, I looked it up. I'm like, okay, I think we can do this. So I called Ellie, who was our um, nurse and who really built that part of reform. And I said, what do you think about a laser? And she goes, let's do it. So here I go buying this $100,000 piece of equipment. We get it delivered. Again, another thing, COVID hit. So spent all that time doing the training. But yeah, I just, it's really taken off. It's as far as like bang for your buck Mm -hmm. in the aesthetics world, laser is where it's at. Um, You know, we're all about 
aging gracefully. You mm-hmm. can't defy aging. And so laser is laser's just been a really good addition that I never thought that we would we would ever do. Yeah, I just never I, thought we could afford it. I wanted to hear you talk about sort of how it fits within maybe your purpose with reform. Yeah. You know, you're you're working to help people with mobility mm-hmm. with the PT side or you know, to to help them be able to do normal things around the house. You've got the Pilates side and there's a fitness component. There's a feeling good in your body and, and being able to do what you want to do. But then you add the aesthetic component. And I wonder, like, how does that sort of fit within, here's here's what I'm trying to do as a business owner. Here's how I'm trying to serve customers. Because it is a, a little bit different. Yeah, it is. It is different. Um, so the way I really like to think about it, and I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to define all of this mm-hmm. together. Um, But again, at the end of the day, reform is about really helping our clients be the best version of themselves. You know, and I think the world, everyone's looking towards, you know, how do how do I age gracefully? Mm -hmm. How do I defy the aging process? And almost it's almost gotten to a point where it's a little bit gross, for a lack of better word. The thing about the aesthetic side to me that I never wanted to be was, hey, we're going to make you someone you're not. Yeah. You're going to come in here. We need to fix what's wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so our approach to that is very different in that, you know, number one, we have people coming in for Pilates or physical therapy or whatever. They're trying to better themselves. They're trying to better their body. And so the aesthetic side just jumps right onto that, especially for people who maybe feel a little intimidated to go to some of those places where they do feel like somebody's going to tell them, oh, that's terrible and we need to fix that. Mm-hmm. So I think people just feel very welcome and calming and knowing that they can come in and say, hey, I don't want to change myself. I just want to maybe upgrade it a little bit in, in every aspect. And I think at the end of the day, it's just really taking care of your body. I mean, this your skin is the biggest organ in your body. I mean, we're taking care of organ systems all the time. Yeah. And so you don't you don't really think about that. Um, and so that's the way I like to approach it. So we have a clinical director that comes in from Dallas. Her name is Taylor Siemens. And she has really been helpful in training all of the nurses and the aesthetics. Um, and she's really big into laser. But she had a, had a client in there one day, and I was in there watching her. And this girl came in and she was like, I hate my nose. I hate my cheeks. I want filler here and I want this here and I want this here. And and Taylor looked her straight in the eyes and said, listen, what you're seeing in the mirror is not at all what I'm seeing. And so when you can come back and you can tell me what you love about yourself, I will treat you. But until then, I'm not going to do that. I'm wow. not I'm not going to continue to feed into your own insecurities. Right. And so that's really where we live and what, what I think all of the staff at Reform is great at is building people up to be proud of who they are on the inside. And then, you know, when, when you maybe look a little bit better, when you look at yourself in the mirror, you look a little bit younger, you look a little bit stronger, those internal feelings of who you are as a person are are just that much better. And then you can go out and you can affect the world in a more positive way. But if you're approaching it from an insecurity you're not going to ever no. be satisfied. No, like no. You you're can, just going to you keep going on... and pushing. And yeah. 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 So really, I think that's what we stand for. Okay. Since you, you kind of decided, okay, I'm going to start this business and you decided I'm going to start it here in Amarillo. What have you found as a business owner just working within this climate mm-hmm. um, with the, the city itself? Because we do have a reputation. Um, we've got strong banking. You mentioned Amarillo National mm-hmm. Bank. We've got a lot of entrepreneurial support. 
um, for small business owners. Is that something that you found in your experience? Yeah, I think Amarillo is the most loyal community. And, and it's funny when I talk to people that aren't from Amarillo, um, I always laugh because I say Amarillo is the only place in the country that can put out a Krispy Kreme with its own local donut stop. Yeah. You know? Within um, just a matter of weeks. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, it's mind-blowing. But, but you know, I, I do think that I've treated my clients right, but it is, reform is truly a community. I mean, it has truly become a community where I feel like our clients are family, our patients are family. Everybody is there to support each other. And, and COVID was one of those moments where that really shined through. Um, but yeah, I just think Amarillo is a wonderful, loyal, local community that that's trying to foster its own. Since you have, you know, made a number of pivots with your business, how do you resist the impulse to just keep doing what's working? You know, to think, okay, we're having success now. We've got a good client base. We're offering these you know, seven or eight things, whatever the number is, mm-hmm. we don't need to do anything more. Like, do you, do you ever feel like you're going to get to a point where you're going to just keep doing what you're doing? Or do you feel like you're always in this growth or expansion sort of mindset? I think you always have to be in the growth or expansion mindset. I mean, the world is changing so rapidly. Te- technology is changing so rapidly. Now, that being said, you know, especially in the aesthetics world, the physical therapy world is what it is. I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, there's new research coming out. We're learning new things all the time. In the aesthetics world, it is interesting because there's always something new coming out. Right. And everyone's trying to sell you something. You can really get caught up in that. And I think go south really fast. Okay. You know, because for one, it's like they're always, hey, we've got this promotion going on. We've got this new. I mean, you couldn't keep up. And, and you could run out of money really fast and you're not, you're not gaining any new revenue from it. So um, I think you have to really sit down in those moments and be like, okay, what does this do that we don't already have? And then how do I educate my patients on, hey, we've already got this just because that equipment, that piece of equipment's a little right. shinier. What it does is still the same. Like these are the, so, so knowing what your core goals are or your, you know, your core values, and then making sure that you're you're staying on that path, but also pulling in all this new information that support mm-hmm. those core values. Um, but yeah, I think you always have to you you have to be watching what's changing and what's new, and but be smart about what you choose to pull in. Are you surprised where you've ended up? Like, does this feel natural to you, or do you still think I? Yeah, I can't believe. Yeah. So every I call it imposter syndrome. <laughs> I wake up every morning and I'm like. Oh my goodness, all these people believe in me, but do I believe in myself? You know, and and I do. I, I 100% believe in what I'm doing. Um, but I'll never be satisfied. I'll never think that I'm good enough or that we've done enough. Or, uh, you know, I think, like I said, it, it's kind of that imposter syndrome of, am I really going to make it every day? You know, and so, yeah, the, just keep growing. The last question I wanted to ask, and it's related to that, is... How much do you think being an Amarillo has an influence on your success? Like if you had been trying to build this business in Mm -hmm. Austin Mm -hmm. or in the Metroplex, do you feel like there's something about being here that kind of gives you a leg up or that maybe allows that imposter syndrome to not be as strong or or to, to be limited somehow? Um, this is a very like, yeah, pull yourself up by your bootstraps sort of 
place. For sure. We love people that try new things. There's two sides to that, I think. Amarillo was the place to build it and grow it for sure. Okay. You know, I think I had the support that I would have not had anywhere else. But I will say what I brought into Amarillo is something that Amarillo was not familiar with. Okay. Especially tying Pilates into rehab. Um, And Pilates has been around forever. I don't know why more places aren't tying Pilates into rehab. Um, But it's definitely kind of when I got into it, it was more like an East Coast or West Coast thing. You saw a few people tying those things together, but it was not a common thing. You know, if you talk to Pilates instructors, they'd be like, oh, well, you you know, you're a physical therapist. I know nothing. Or if you talk to a physical therapist, they're like, well, why are you trying to get into the fitness world? You know so much more than they do. Mm-hmm. But it's like, wow, can we not just open our eyes and see how great both of these things are and let's put them together. Um, so I do think Amarillo is the best place for me to grow. I did, I did have to convince a lot of people that Pilates is something that everyone can do, you know, um, not just a trend. It's not just a trend. Um, and so, you know, now being where I am, you know, I've had lots of people come in from Dallas or Austin or Houston or Lubbock even. And they're like, Oh, we need one of these in Lubbock or Austin or Dallas. And, you know, I go look at those markets and I'm like, gosh, this thing could kill it there because people already know about Pilates or people already know about the aesthetics or people already know about therapy. Um, You know, the thing I think that's interesting about Amarillo, and I've had several conversations about this with a lot of different people in the medical world. So everyone's talking about, you know, self-pay healthcare, Mm -hmm. you know, the concierge medicine. Right. And is Amarillo ready for that? I would argue that no, Amarillo is not ready for that. And yes, I am dabbling in that world a little bit. Um, You know, we do a lot of self-pay and all of our wellness services are Mm self-pay. But we get a lot of people in first as a therapy client using their insurance. And in my brain, if if someone is paying into their health insurance, they should get to use it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. why would you pay into that as expensive as premiums have gotten if you're not going to use it and you're going to pay cash pay? And so what I've really tried to, to do is get people in where insurance is covering it and then show them, hey, we really can offer you something that no one else can that's going to get you some results. And then once people see the quality and what they get out of it, they're willing to pay out of pocket. You go to Dallas or Austin or Houston, those concierge medicine places are all over the place. People are willing to pay out of pocket, you know. Um, and and again, I don't know that it's that there's a lack of funds in Amarillo. I think people are just really smart with where they put yeah, their money in Amarillo. People are practical here. Yeah, and so you know that's that's something that I actually taught a, se- a section at the Tech PT School a while back, and we were talking about you know cash pay therapy because a lot of clinics are just going to cash pay and doing away with insurance, and it's like. I don't feel, I feel like, you know, as a therapist, it's my duty to take people's insurance, whether or not I get paid more or less. I yeah. mean, that's what I went to school for is, you know, and the other thing is we're getting people in our clinic that wouldn't come if they had to pay cash. And so we're introducing a lot of people to new concepts that they wouldn't normally be able to afford. Um, and so, yeah, that's my big soapbox thing is, is, is absolutely, if you have insurance, use it and we as healthcare providers need to make sure that we're set up so that people can use it i don't even know what your first question was i don't know we got off i on think a that's an interesting tangent, but it's an interesting place to, <laughs> to land though because i i think that is true that there's there's something about this area and and you can see it 
you can see it politically, you can see it economically, that the people of the Panhandle are very, very pragmatic. Mm -hmm. And so they're interested in what works and in being resourceful and in like being good stewards of like whether it's the land we have, the resources we have, right. the money we have. Mm -hmm. uh, so that makes uh, makes total sense. It fits within the character of where we live. Mm -hmm. So go it. Yes. Yeah. So your your question was, you know, Amarillo versus Austin or one of those places. Yes, I think opening this clinic in Amarillo, it helped me establish values that I might not have had had I done this in Austin or Dallas, where it was easy to get clients. Okay. You know, I had to really work for clients, and I had to really sell them what I was offering in Amarillo, just because it was a different concept that people hadn't heard of before. Um, so now, you know, reform number two or three in Dallas or Austin wouldn't be the, the worst thing. But no, not going there yet. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see. So... This is an ad for attorney Dean Boyd, but it's also a personal endorsement. My son Owen was in a pretty bad wreck at Texas A&M right after we dropped him off for his sophomore year. It wasn't his fault, but he got broadsided by another driver and it rolled his car. Owen climbed out the sunroof and walked away from it. We're, we're grateful for that. But his car was totaled and it left Owen with a shoulder injury. So one of our first calls was to Dean Boyd's office. Now, Dean had been a guest on this podcast back in 2019. I knew his story, but it wasn't until Owen became a client that we really understood what he does and how meaningful it is. Working with his office was amazing. They treated Owen so well. They answered our questions, they made the process seamless, and they were able to negotiate a settlement that covered our son's medical bills and satisfied all of us. So for us as parents, Dean's office was a lifeline during a really stressful period. I just can't say enough good things about the law office of attorney Dean Boyd. If you've been hurt in a wreck, call him at 806-242-3333 or visit deanboyd.com. I'm thankful for Dean Boyd and I'm thankful for his support of Hey Amarillo. Okay, I'm back with Gentry Williams. Gentry, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its extensive windmill collection includes multiple versions of this indispensable technology, which made life possible here in the Texas Panhandle. You can see a bunch of windmills and learn more at panhandleplains.org. Okay, we talked about the future of your business, but when you think of Amarillo 10 years from now, what do you hope for? So I hope that Amarillo continues on this path of offering higher education. Mm -hmm. So I think that your community is only as strong as its schools, whether they be public school, primary schools, you know, Amarillo College, techs coming in here. So I just, I feel like when you can educate a community, the community is going to grow in all the right ways. And so I just hope that Amarillo continues to push those sources of higher education. Okay. We've seen a lot of ambitious undertakings, mm -hmm. you know, with some of the universities, with some of the ways that Amarillo College has been doing things, with some decisions made at WT. Um, so yes. I, I feel like that's happening, and there's some innovation happening here, and that's mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Okay, other than wind, what does this area have too much of? So today I was driving around thinking about this a little bit, Trash. There is mm -hmm. so much trash in our community just driving down I-40. In fact, I saw a couple just walking down I-40 this this afternoon picking up trash, and I thought, 
How great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's a problem. Yeah. I don't know what you do about it. I don't it. either. <laughs> I've been, I, I have a, a real strong sense of justice. And I've uh-huh. seen people, you know, parked at a stoplight and they just roll down their window and throw something out. And part of me wants to just like put my car in park, go pick go it up and say, yes. here, you dropped this cigarette. <laughs> I'll pick that up for you. Uh, it would get me beaten up most likely. Uh-huh. But like that's, it's a mindset I just don't understand. And yeah. this is where we live, like. Don't throw your trash on it. I know. I know. And it's everywhere. I mean, it's like I drive under the underpass to work every day and there's just like boxes of stuff dumped Mm -hmm. out. And I don't know who's supposed to be picking that up. I don't know. I don't know either. There are community cleanup days all the time. So maybe it's it's us. Maybe maybe we need to do more of that. We need to do more of that. Okay. (laughs) Uh, What does this area not have enough of? Okay. So this is where I'm going to do my big plug. We really need an aquatic center. Yes. Amarillo really, really needs an aquatic center. Spoken as a, a swimmer. Yes, I was a swimmer, and I just—it's one of those things that you can do in every age group. Um, there's so many community activities you can do there, and I will say I'm not doing this for my daughter because I'm trying to get her on the swim team. And she looked at me the other day, and she told me that was my dream, not hers. Okay. And so this is not strong a, This words. is not a personal plug, but we have got to get an aquatic center. I like to tell a story. My uh, my son played competitive high school basketball. And so we used to go to playoff games in like the small towns. You know, we'd play games in Andrews and Matador and places like that. And we'd get in these facilities. And like at Andrews, it's got a, a full platform diving yeah. pool and this giant, you know, Olympic style swim pool right next to the basketball gym. And it's... It's a community of, I don't know, 5,000 people? Yeah. And I just think, and we can't, like, like, we don't have anything in Amarillo, you know, to serve Amarillo ISD. Yeah, and their swim teams are incredible. Yeah. I mean, they've had several go off to D1 schools, and so, yeah, that's when I have spare time. That's what I'm going to start pushing for. I I fully support that. (laughs) What's your favorite local coffee or tea shop? Palace on Georgia. Okay. It is just the, it's the best little vibe, and their little outdoor patio and everything is great. So it's it's one in one of those places where you can go morning or evening and meet with someone professionally or just a personal right. conversation. It's just a great little vibe. Okay. What's your favorite local restaurant? Okay, so this is not actually a restaurant. However, I will eat it for dinner sometimes. So it counts. Um Sweet by Carolyn. Yeah. Cookies are fantastic. And they will make a great meal. I am I am a cookie holic. Okay. She's very talented. She is very talented. She does some wonderful things. All so right. yes, that's my favorite. Okay. What's the most underrated thing about living in Amarillo? So I would say the landscape mm-hmm. and the seasons. Okay. So I think perfect example of that was this spring. Um, you know, we had so much rain and it's like you're driving outside of Amarillo or, you know, if you're going to any of the little small towns, it's like, wow, this is really a beautiful place, you know? And it's like every season it looks different. Our skies are beautiful, sunsets, sunrises, and they're never the same. I, every day is a is a different day. It's like you're looking at a different painting every day. If you can just find that beauty in it. Um, I think, too, that's probably growing up in a small town and driving back and forth all yeah. the time. But there are some beautiful, you see a lot of horizons. Areas. Yeah. I mean, some days I just have to go get in my car. It's it's funny. When we lived in Panhandle and I was driving back and forth, I got to see that all the time. 
And when we moved to Amarillo, we moved to Wolfland, and I got claustrophobic from mm-hmm. all the trees. It's like, I just have to go out and see the horizon for a little bit. Um, and so, you know, as I travel and see other parts of the United States, it's like, I love it, but I need to get back home. Yep. I need to get back home and see that horizon. So, yeah, I think the, and the fact that we have four seasons and we really have four seasons is, is incredible, too. You never get tired of anything. Okay. When was the last time you visited Cadillac Ranch? Okay, so I will be honest with you. I never went to Cadillac Ranch until last year. Okay. So my daughter was telling me she was really bored one day, and so I created an Amarillo scavenger hunt for her to go and see all the iconic things in Amarillo. Um, And so we went out to Cadillac Ranch, and it was the most liberating thing that I have done in a long time. It's like legal graffiti. I felt like yeah. I was doing something very wrong, and it was it was so fun, and it was so liberating. And so if you haven't been, I think probably the people who haven't been are the ones who've lived here all their lives. Probably so. Go do it. Okay. What else? What were some other stops on your scavenger hunt? Uh, so she had to go buy someone a gift on Route 66. Okay. Um, she had to run the bases at Tascosa okay. baseball field. That's where she'll go to high school, so we needed to introduce her to that. We went to the Big Texan for dinner. All right. Went and had lunch at, and you're going to, I can't remember the name of the restaurant, but it's out at the airport. At the Tradewinds Airport? Not or Tradewinds. The one at the, yeah, the Rick Husband the, Airport? Yeah. What's anyway, so yeah. We, we sat at that restaurant. It was fantastic food. Okay. Watched the planes fly in and out. I think that was about That's it. It's a good list. Yeah, it was a good list. Yeah. yeah. Other parents should do that. that yeah, it was fun. fun. It was fun. Okay, last question. What's one local nonprofit you appreciate? So I was on the board of the Turn Center for a really long time. Mm-hmm. I love Turn Center, not only just because, um, you know, I'm a physical therapist, obviously, it's my passion, but if you ever get a chance to go out there and observe or volunteer with some of their activities that they do, it is just it's a place that makes you look at the world a little differently. Yeah. You appreciate your life, your children, and these kids, are they, they, they are so happy to be there, and those therapists are incredible. So. Okay. Gentry, that concludes the eight straight questions. I'd like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing you would like listeners to know about or to experience? Yeah. So I was talking to my daughter this morning mm-hmm. on her way to school, telling her I was going to be on this show. And she told me she'd be very upset if I did not endorse her school and all of her friends. So I'm not going <laughs> to list all of her friends. Um, but Adelie goes to school at St. Andrews, um, Episcopal school. I love that little school. Interesting way that we got there and we stayed there. I'm also a huge supporter of public school, so I don't want to say this is the only place to go, but it has been really fun to watch her grow in that school. That school just has a mission of, of creating good, kind human beings. My favorite story is there was a little boy one day that was rushing into school and he dropped his backpack and he told Adelie, just wait, just wait. And so he was bending over, picking up his backpack and everything. And he had to go and open the door for her. And so hmm. it was just the sweetest little thing. Cause that's, that's just what they do. They have all these little acts of kindness every day. Um, and then Jared House at St. Andrew's Church is absolutely incredible. Former guest on this podcast. He is he is wonderful. Um, he started doing a service learning class with the eighth graders this year, and the things that they're going to do and go out in the community to do are, are really exciting. Good. So, great little place. Okay. Well, Gentry Williams, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank I appreciate you. it. Yeah, it's fun. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks again to Gentry for the interview. 
You can learn more about her practice and clinic at re-formpt.com. Thanks also to episode sponsors, Attorney Dean Boyd, Blue Handle Publishing, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for supporting this podcast. And thanks to Angelina Marie for editing the show. Thank you for listening. Hey Amarillo exists on a weekly basis because people listen to it. And if that includes you, which I assume because we're at the end of the episode and you're still listening, I appreciate it. It's also due to the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarello. Hey Amarello's executive producers include Patrick Burns, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Josh Wood, Corey Burns, Wes Reeves, Cindy Graham, and Barbara and Jim Witten. This has been episode 318. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>